Hello, welcome to Faith, Food, and Family. My name is Crystal Petrello, and I have a passion for not only food, of course, but raising my kids up to love Jesus. In this current world, it is so important to teach our kids about diversity. But how do we get to teach them about diversity and discipleship in a way that makes sense for our crazy busy lives? And I have to challenge you that it's around the table. My goal is to help you to bring your kids to the table to teach about discipleship and diversity through Foodways and learning about other cultures and how to ask good questions so that we can create conversation and not judgment. I welcome you on this journey. Thank you so much for joining us today, Susan. I want to introduce Susan Marks. She is the Sustainability and Certification Advisor for the Alaskan Seafood Marketing Institute. So all things Alaskan seafood. I love talking about fish, especially the cold water fish. So we'll be talking plenty of that. But first of all, for our icebreaker, what is your favorite comfort food or food memory? Sure. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here and talk to you today. Uh, when I think about a food memory, um, I like a lot of people, I guess I go back to my grandparents. They were from Hungary. And so we would visit them. They lived in immigrated from Hungary to Canada, and we would spend summers up in Canada. And my grandmother would make homemade noodles for chicken noodle soup and would cut them in these tiny little squares. And uh, I just liked noodles and butter, like a lot of kids. But there was something about her homemade noodles. And um, you know, hand in hand with that also was uh, chicken and dumplings that she would make, which, you know, she would say it's Hungarian chicken and dumplings. I'm sure that, you know, you can find that in, in many countries, but it was something that uh, we only ate when we were visiting my grandma and grandpa. So Because was- as a parent of young children, I'm sure your mom was just, did not have the time to do it anyways. Handmade dumplings and, and noodles for sure. Yeah. Amazing. So. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's a great memory. All right. Because I'm a huge advocate of eating fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Favorite vegetable and how do you prefer to prepare it? Yeah, this is a hard one because I do like a lot of vegetables, but um, sweet potatoes or Brussels sprouts. All right. The combination of those two together, I would say, first of all, you cannot go wrong with roasting. Roasting a vegetable elevates it tenfold. So anybody who says they don't like a vegetable, I would encourage them to roast it. But I do a um, shaved Brussels sprouts and just cubed sweet potatoes. It's almost like a hash. And I uh, massage it in olive oil and uh, sweet paprika, garlic powder, onion powder, salt and pepper, and just roast that in the oven. And uh, you can just eat it plain, have some and eggs. If you paired it. it with a fish, what fish would you pair it with? Oh, um, probably a white fish, a, a, a white fish for sure. Yeah, I or, paired mine with cod. Just yeah. a little salt and pepper cod. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So let's get, get into the meat, the fish of it all. <laughs> yeah. Bad sure. 
Is there a specific time of year that more seafood is purchased? And why do you think that is? Sure. Uh, There's a couple times a year, Lent being one of them. Uh, We definitely see an uptick of seafood in the restaurant sector, food service during Lent, but also retailers promote it more during Lent. Uh, Also, uh, the grilling season, when weather starts to get warm in May is also the opening of salmon season. So we, one of the things that uh, we do at Alaska Seafood Marketing Institute is create promotions with retailers and food service companies. So we're always putting together grilling um, promotions. October is National Seafood Month. So we tend to see uh, an uptick there as well. And then as you might also assume a bump around the holidays, but one of the things that we recently did is um, tried to, you know, we're always trying to find, we want people to buy seafood all year round, not just as, a, we don't want it to just be a special occasion food. We want it to be, you know, part of your weekly diet. You know, the USDA recommends you should be eating seafood twice a week. So mm-hmm. uh, one of the things we did is Wild Alaska Seafood Month in um, Europe, and we made it January. Because that was the other thing is people set these New Year's resolutions to go to the gym and it usually goes hand in hand with trying to eat healthier. So uh, that was also really successful. That's what I like to tell people is you can't go wrong with seafood, period. So you don't have to worry about the fat content in it because the fat is good fat. And if it doesn't have fat, there's really two types of fish groups, right? There's those really lean fish. So you don't got to worry about too much fat in it at all. So those are your tilapias and your shrimps and things like that. But on the other side, we have all these fatty fish that are awesome because the fat's coming from those omega-3s that we need so much more of. That's the one of the main reasons why it's advocated to eat more of that fatty, which is cold water fish Mm -hmm. so that we can get those omega threes, especially for, you know, brain health we're seeing, we're seeing it's just something we don't get enough of compared to how much we don't eat healthy foods. There's just not enough omega threes. So um, we could do a whole podcast on omega threes and the benefits of them. And you know, I brought up the USDA guidelines and they were updated in 2021. And it was the first time that that we've actually seen them do some age-related guidelines for seafood. So actually encouraging seafood for pregnant mothers and and babies and toddlers and all around that, um, you know, omega-3s and vital for brain health. And, you know, and then of course, as you age, it's also, you know, you need brain health all through your life. So yes, um, I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. And when I was pregnant with both of them, my um, doctors were starting to actually recommend along with your prenatal also figure out how to get more omega-3 in. I think the challenging thing with that is when you're pregnant, sometimes fish doesn't sound very appealing, but there's ways you can kind of figure that out. Um, But you're right. We could do a whole podcast another time if you would like on just omega-3s and how to get those in. Moving on to sustainability. So when we think about sustainability, how does someone find out about a fish if it's sustainable, whether in their area? um, And does it depend on the region or where they're purchased from? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. Um, I would give a general shout out that 
if you're buying fish that is from the USA, that's you're you're doing good. Um, you know, U.S. fisheries are are generally very well managed. We have rigorous laws in place. So if you're buying um, from a U.S. fishery, that would be the first step. And Alaska is the largest harvester of wild-caught seafood in the United States. So, of course, if you see Alaska, uh, you should also feel good about it. Um, another great resource that I would point people to is NOAA. They have a website um, and a tool. It's called Fish Watch. And you could actually search by region, by species, by harvest type. So, you know, if you are in Michigan and you want to buy something local, you could go on to Fish Watch and search that region. Um, and they have great information, um, health information, recipes, and you can, you know, filter it down. By they even have uh, it broken down to if you specifically are looking for sushi cuts, that the sustainable sushi cuts that, you know, you wouldn't usually use those and, and cook those up, especially with how expensive those can be. Right. So with that being said, what does the RFM, what does it mean? And what does it mean to have that certification? Sure. RFM stands for Responsible Fisheries Management. And it is a wild capture voluntary certification program. And it it basically is a verification of responsible environmental practices within the fishery. And, you know, I'll, I'll back up and kind of stop right there because that was like a big mouthful. And I can totally appreciate if you are a consumer at a grocery store, you're sort of inundated with messaging and information and labels. There certainly is a lot out there. And I think that, you know, we do a lot of research um, and we consistently hear that consumers want to do the right thing and they want to learn more about seafood. And it's just it's always challenging on how much to give them and and, and steer them in the right direction, which is why I kind of give the general, um, you know, suggestion to look for USA, look for Alaska and, and you're you're doing you're already three steps ahead. But a certification, um, one of the things is that it is uh, it provides the highest level of assurance that the fishery is following best practices. And so our logo, which says RFM certified, and it calls out the origin. If you see that, you can you can have a high level of assurance that you're doing the right thing. Excellent. So it has to do with the fishery itself and how the fish are caught. And then how does that translate then to suppliers? Sure. So the fishery is certified. And once that happens, then companies along the supply chain, so the processors, the secondary processors, they also become certified for what we call chain of custody. And that allows them to, um, that, that allows two things. It allows them to make the claim of, of sustainability along the supply chain, but it also is assurance of traceability back to where the fish was caught. So you're not mixing certified fish with not certified fish. So there are actually two parts to the RFM certification. There's the fishery and then there's the supply chain. Awesome. You're right. That was a lot of knowledge, but it's I, a lot. The, main and thing, the main thing we need to capture is USA, Alaska, and looking for that RFM, right? Yes. I, yes. But not not every species of fish in the U.S. is certified. 
And that doesn't mean it's not sustainable. Uh, you know, like I said, um, if RFM went away tomorrow, the fisheries in Alaska would still be sustainably managed. They have been for decades. So, so, so certification is a verification that you're doing the right thing. Excellent. Gotcha. So what would you say are the best seafood options in the winter time that are budget friendly? Yeah. Well, the great news is that Alaska um, seafood is available all year round. And there we have such a diversity of species and types of fish and flavors and textures at a price point for everybody. So uh, it's harvested, it's harvested seasonally, but it's also um, flash frozen. So, you know, sometimes I think frozen gets a bad rap. But I want to dispel that rumor right right away because actually we've done side by side comparisons of fresh and then frozen refresh, and um, you know some chefs can't tell the difference. So we just have such advanced freezing technology. It's it's blast frozen right when it's caught, and it locks in the nutrients and the the quality and the great flavor. Um, so most Alaska seafood is frozen within hours of harvest. Uh, but back to your question, seafood options for winter uh, at a price at a price point. I would always steer somebody towards canned salmon. Everybody thinks about canned tuna, but canned salmon is a wonderful option, and there's so many great recipes for it. Um, and usually, it's there's five species of salmon, and it's typically pink salmon that is canned. Um, we're also starting to see some pink salmon fillets in the store. You know, most a lot of times you see sockeye or coho salmon. Um, and then look in your freezer case where you can find cod, uh, Alaska cod um, or Alaska pollock uh, is another uh, or Alaska flounder or sole. Uh, those are other species that, you know, it's not just about king salmon and king crab legs. Well, those king crab legs. When I lived cool. in Vegas, I definitely ate my mm-hmm. my budget worth at the at the buffet. Absolutely. For sure. So going with that, the the feast of the seven fishes, kind of like you were saying with Lent, it's based more on Catholic beliefs and the idea that we don't eat um, meat around these sacred holidays. So there's a lot of fish and originated in Italy. Yeah. Um, They still do things like this around the world, especially in coastal areas that have a lot of fish. Um, So if I had to find seven recipes for seven different cuts of fish, where would be a good place to go to find some recipes? Well, this is where I think our organization really shines. Uh, you can go to our website and it is alaskaseafood.org and you will find more than seven recipes. You'll find uh, hundreds. And again, you can um, filter it by species type. You can filter it by cooking method, by um, type, whether you want to do an appetizer or a main dish. And we have hundreds of recipes and um, we have cooking videos. We have cook it from frozen videos. Uh, and and we're always adding new recipes. We work with chefs to de- develop recipes. And also I would encourage people to check out our, um, not just our website, but our Instagram account. 
and Facebook because we work with a lot of influencers and they develop recipes. And these are, you know, everyday recreational cooks to um, celebrity chefs. So these are definitely not, um, uh, I think there's a recipe for everybody and definitely uh, depend, you know, you don't have to have a high skill set to cook seafood. I think that's another myth that we constantly try and dispel is that, you know, it's not difficult to cook. Yeah. I think the thing is, is people overcomplicate it. It's so easy that they're like, what did I do wrong? Is it safe? Is it, you know, Um, I think the main thing is, is making sure that we're thawing it in the fridge and not on your countertop so that you get that frozen to fresh consistency um, and it's safe, but. Or you could cook it from frozen. Or cooking it from frozen, which I love yeah. this idea. I I, yeah. I don't think I've done that before, maybe by accident, but I got to find those recipes. And that's what I was going to say about the website. I, I love the idea that you can choose the method because mm-hmm. I think when I have seven different dishes going, or if I'm not doing a potluck style where a couple of the family members or friends are coming over with a couple different um, things... I want to like have something going on several things so I don't have to like time it all out just in the oven. So I'll have the air fryer going and the crock pot and the stovetop and the oven and maybe the grill. And then maybe some of that last minute stuff that only takes like 10 minutes max, like a tilapia at the end. So I love that you can kind of filter by that cooking method. That's awesome. Yeah. And you could have all of those going at one time. Forgot the instant pot. We have that too. Lovely. I love it. Well, thank you for all your knowledge and your tips today. And I hope to speak with you again. Yes. Thank you for having me. Make sure that the links to the Instagram, Facebook, and alaskaseafood.org is in the show notes. And I look forward to hearing how everybody cooks different fish this holiday. Uh, Absolutely. Probably tap back into those for sure around Lent. Thanks for joining me today on Faith, Food, and Family, where we talk about faith, food, or family, or just maybe all of it all at the same time. Because, you know, why not?